It's a new year. It's a new you. And we are talking about goals. That's right. Everybody's setting goals. And I'm sharing with you the top three financial goals that everybody should set, regardless if you get there or not, you should be striving to hit these three. Let's dive into the episode. You're listening to the Money, Markets, and Mindset Podcast, where it's all about learning how to have your money work hard for you instead of you working hard for it. And now your host, stock market coach and options trader, Jason Brown. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Money, Markets, and Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brown, and welcome to the new year. It is 2019, the first week of the year as I am recording this podcast. And I know that at this time of the year, everybody's thinking about their goals. I'm going to kill it this year. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, uh, you know, learn this, speak a different language, going to become financially independent. I'm going to make more money, get a better job. All the goals are coming out. And in this episode, what I really wanted to do was break down three goals, three financial goals to be specific, that everybody should have. Whether you achieve them or not is a different story, but you should at least have these three financial goals on your radar. I want to talk about how to set them, the game plan that you need to be thinking about at each level, and then the problem or issues that may occur uh, if you don't either that got you into that situation or uh, if you don't set this as a goal to achieve or get out of whatever your current situation is. So let's talk about goal number one. So we're going to bring it from the bottom and take it to the top. And what I mean by that is goal number one that everyone should set is to be debt free. Now, the problem with this level, if you're even in debt, at its most basic level is you have more bills or expenses at the end of the month than you do money. Pretty simple. So at the end of the month, you're you're, you're borrowing money, you're putting things on credit cards, you don't have uh, enough money to keep up with whatever your current lifestyle is. And the, the, the thing about this level is it often keeps you from the opportunities that can put you on the fast track. And pretty much this one is simple to fix. You know, I once heard someone say, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And when you think about debt, uh, you know, the let's see, the tough part about debt is it's usually now not all the time. It's usually a self-inflicted wound unless there's you know a health issue, unless you got laid off from your job or something like that, which we'll talk about in goal number two. But for the most part. And being in debt, debt is a self-inflicted wound, which means it's 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 easy to get into and it's easy to get out of if you're willing to sacrifice. And so the one two punch game plan, I like to call it for this level is number one, there's only two ways to get out of debt and two ways to get out of it. I guess faster if you're doing both. One is to decrease your expenses. That's just number one. So if you are paying for a a house or an apartment or something that is sucking up a lot of your money, how do you decrease that debt? Well, you can move in with a friend. You could bring on a roommate. You can move back home with your parents. 
And these are tough choices to make, right? Because there's ego involved in there, especially if you're over the age of, you know, 30, maybe Uh, you're thinking, I'm not moving back home with my parents or I'm not bringing on a roommate or, you know, I got this. What are people going to think of me? You got all that stuff going through your head. But uh, I can tell you from experience that once you do what you got to do to get out of that situation, it you only feel that sting or that pain of what people may think about you for about mm, 30 seconds, right? And then once you start making, I think after your first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you start to see the amount of money that you're saving or paying down uh, on your debt, on your expenses, you start to realize this was an awesome decision that you probably should have made it sooner so that you can get out of the, as they call it, the rat race or out of the hole and get back onto the fast track. So the first way uh, to get out of debt is to lower your expenses. Now, the second punch, again, I call this the one-two punch. Number one, stop digging, uh, lower your expenses. But the second punch is to increase your income. We are so fortunate to live in a day and age of technology, to live in a day and age of computers. There are so many ways to make money. It's just unbelievable. Now, because there are so many ways to make money, that doesn't necessarily mean, I think some people confuse the fact that there are so many ways to make money. They confuse that with that you're going to love all these ways and all of these ways are going to be convenient for you or that you're not going to have to learn anything new. So that is a misconception. Or when I say there's so many ways to make money, there's money all around us, there's opportunity all around us. Yes, but all opportunity isn't created equal. So what do I mean? We live in a day and age where literally, literally, if you have a car that you're using to get to work, you can then turn around and use that same car to drive on your lunch break, to drive after you get off work, especially if you work like downtown, instead of going home, you can turn your car into an Uber or a Lyft. And you may be thinking, well, I don't want to drive people around all day in my car, or I want to get back home to my family or my kids or my wife or my husband. And so that's the part that it's not so fun or it's not always going to be so convenient. But when you think about your your bigger goal, when you think about the fact that you're trying to get out of debt, I think what happens with most people is they don't run the numbers and they don't realize how much they need to make, which means they also don't realize how long they need to do it. So where am I going with this? Yes, it may be a temporary inconvenience. But when you run the numbers and say, hey, all I need to do is drive this three days a week to make X amount of dollars, and then it'll take me exactly six months to pay something off or uh, get out of debt, whatever the case may be, it's a little bit easier to swallow that pill when you know you're only going to have to swallow it three nights a week and you know exactly the last day that you're going to have to take that pill, which is you know six months or whatever that number is that you came up with. Now, the other thing that you can do is there are so many work from home and part-time opportunities. Uh, I know for our company, when we look to uh, sometimes hire customer service uh, for our company and we, we typically look for, you know, work from home uh, moms, stay at home moms, I should say, and different things like that. And so those are opportunities to where 
uh, maybe you have a full time job, but after you get off that uh, get off from that job, there are small businesses. There are companies that need transcription services where you can, tra- you know, maybe a medical doctor or something like that, where you can tr- transcribe their audio. Again, that's not fun. Nobody wakes up and say, once I get off from my day job, I'm going to go home and, you know, transcribe audio for the next three, four five hours. But again, didn't say it had to be fun. I'm just letting you know that these work from home opportunities um, exist or for companies like us who, you know, sometimes we need a lot of help with email because a lot of our customers are online and uh, sending us emails, different things like that. So you can find something that could potentially uh, be fun or be in your wheelhouse that allow you to sit on the couch, still kind of get some work in and, and make some extra money. But literally, if you have a laptop and a high speed Internet connection, there is a way for you to make money and not even just small business. There's big businesses that uh, need tech support. I, I remember seeing um, like Apple and different uh, companies like that saying, hey, we need somebody who can troubleshoot smartphones from their home and, and help customers reset their phone and handle basic troubleshooting, things like that. Now, that might be a little bit more strict where you got to work like at a specific time and be tied to the phone and answer within a certain amount of rings. But there are other opportunities where you can actually work from home and it's not, uh, you know, you can do social media for somebody, different things like that, where you can actually make some extra money and you can still kind of do it on your time uh, without actually leaving the house. Does that make sense? Even if you work a full-time job or if you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, um, etc. Now, the other thing that you can do is consider selling unnecessary stuff on Craigslist or eBay. You know, we moved, I feel like uh, a couple times in the last few years, and it's amazing what you accumulate as you go from house to house. And it's also amazing what stuff you don't even unpack at the next house. And then you get to the next one, and you're like, okay, what, what in the world am I doing with? you know, this candle waxer and all this other uh, little stuff, you'd be surprised how much money you could scrape up just by selling stuff on eBay. And I'm telling you, before you throw it in the garbage, post it on Craigslist or eBay, you'd be surprised who's looking for some little knickknack. And you may be thinking this thing is old or outdated, but if someone lives in an older house, uh, they may be looking, maybe they broke the handle on their faucet and they're like, I do not want to buy an entirely new faucet. I just need the left hot water turn thing. But where am I going to find the same gold plated one that they made back in the 80s? You'd be surprised if you just got your bathroom updated and you're getting ready to throw out the faucet who might be looking for that classic gold looking left hot water faucet piece. So uh, just think about that. Consider selling some unnecessary stuff on Craigslist or eBay. And if you really are into uh, selling stuff, maybe it's not necessarily unnecessary stuff, but something that you can get for a deal or a special price or I'll give you another example. I remember when I used to work in retail, I was there when some of the really nice either clothing items or electronic items would just either go clearance or go super discount. And, you know, if there was like no limit on how many we could buy, maybe about three, four five. But those are some things that because of your where you work or the opportunity at hand, you may be able to get something at a super reasonable price. And then turn it around and, and sell it on eBay or Craigslist to somebody else, still 
at a reasonable price and below market value, but maybe they can't get that specific item anymore because it's on clearance. What I'm, what I'm basically saying here is be creative and open up your eyes to the opportunities that are around you. But once you make that a goal first, I think that's the key. Once you make it a goal to get out of debt, then you become open to the different ways that you can get out of debt and the different opportunities that are around you that maybe before you kind of never paid attention to, or maybe you just thumbed, thumbed your nose up at and was like, ah, that's beneath me. But once you uh, make that game plan to get out of debt, there's nothing that's beneath you other than debt. You want to get that debt from beneath you, and that should be uh, your main focus. So the goal here, monitor your spending, cut back on your lifestyle, not forever, but just enough to catch up and get to level two. And then you want to write down, you know, how much you owe, how much you need to save and earn to pay it off. So that way, if you got to swallow a pill that you hate taking, uh, at least you know how many times a week you got to swallow that pill and for how long. Now, let's get to goal number two. Goal number two is to be comfortable. Yes, that's right. You need a goal to be comfortable. And I think a lot of people skip over this. A lot of people just go straight to uh, goal number three, which, which we'll talk about in a second. But most people skip over making a goal to be comfortable. And I'll never forget the power of writing down a goal to be comfortable because until you know what it takes to be comfortable, then you don't know what it takes to get to number three, which is going to be the goal of being wealthy. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean rich, I mean wealthy, which we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but until you're comfortable, how do you know uh, what you need to get to the next level? And so most people don't know what comfortable is, uh, but at its most basic level, let's, let's, let's break down the most simplistic definition of comfortable living, you know, here uh, in America, but this is probably the same uh, around the world. But number one, you want food. All right. You want to wake up every day and you want to be able to eat. I didn't say you have to eat steak and lobster every day, but you want to be able to, you know, nourish yourself, nourish your body, food, water, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. There you have it. The second portion of being comfortable is shelter. You typically want to have a place to lay your head, a place that you are comfortable in your head, a place where you don't, you know, you're not worried about being hurt, harmed, uh, your things being stolen or taken. And so you need shelter. And then the third thing is transportation at that level. You know, you're, you're comfortable if you have a car, it doesn't have to be a Mercedes, doesn't have to be a, a, a Lexus. If you can get from point A to B, you're good. As long as it has heat in the car, if you live in Michigan <laughs> for these cold winters, and if you got AC in there, if you live in you know Arizona somewhere, you're, you're good. And so food, shelter, transportation, and, 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 you know, there's some things in there. Maybe you go on vacation once a year, uh, different things like that. Doesn't mean that you have no debt. Perhaps you have student loan debt. Maybe you have a credit card or, or a house payment, uh, but you're comfortable. You're not behind on your payment. You don't have too much house that you can't afford. Uh, you're not not able to, you know, you're, you're still able to go out versus like, we got to stay home. We're broke. We don't have any money. So you're comfortable because you can still have food, shelter, transportation, a house and be uncomfortable if you're drowning 
trying to keep up with the Joneses and, you know, live outside of your means. But once you get the game plan down of of being comfortable, there's some other things that you need to talk about that most people skip right over. And especially if you have a partner, a couple of things that most people skip over at the comfortable level is retirement. That that goal is so far out there and, you know, so far down the road that you most likely wake up every day thinking, I'll worry about that later. I'll start contributing to my 401k someday. I'll start learning how to invest later. And what happens is later sneaks up on you faster than you think. So getting comfortable is not only about living for today, but being comfortable is also about how are we planning to live later and stay comfortable and still be comfortable uh, once we walk off of our job. The other thing at this level of comfort that a lot of people overlook is the what if scenarios. That is one that most people overlook. It's like, hey, you make this much, I make this much, we're fine. But most people overlook, what if we have a kid? What if we have a kid? I can tell you right now, having a baby has thrown, um, there's just unexpected finances, unexpected things. I mean, we're trying to find childcare or do you hire a nanny and how much is a nanny? And, you know, there's formula. If you're not breastfeeding, there's pampers. There's all these things that when it was just you and her or him and her, it you know, or him and him or her and her, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, the point is when it was just the two of you, you didn't have to think about all those extras. You didn't need baby food. You didn't need strollers. You didn't need two car seats, right? You didn't need a pack and play. You didn't need any of that stuff. And so having a kid is a joyous thing. But if you don't plan for that, what if scenario, it could kind of throw a wrench in your comfortable Uh, Another one that most people don't plan for is what if one of us gets laid off and maybe maybe even if you don't get laid off, what if one of you wants to stay home with the baby? But, you know, the unfortunate part is that's a the, the, the positive on that one is you made a decision to leave your job typically. So hopefully you plan for that. But the unfortunate side of the other side of the coin is that if you didn't plan it and you just got laid off. But most people don't think about that. You know, it's it's funny if you if you most people, if you talk to them saying, you know, you ever thought about what would happen if you get laid off? And <laughs> ironically, most people are always, oh, no, they need me. My company couldn't survive without me. And I always chuckle at that. I used to be a manager for a Fortune 50 company, actually two different Fortune 50 companies. And everybody was indispensable, was dispensable. I was dispensable. Uh, the the senior management above me was dispensable. The sales reps were dispensable. Everybody was dispensable. And there's always that character. It's like, well, if I walked off the job tomorrow, you know, they, who knows what they would do without me. This thing, this place I go to, I'm telling you, the place may have a hiccup for about two hours, maybe 24 hours. Guaranteed after that, it's, you know, they already got a system in place and they're interviewing 200 people who just apply for your job. And so you have to think about the what if, what if I get laid off? Because it could happen. Uh, You know, you read about it in the news being here in Michigan, you got a GM that's cutting thousands of jobs and you got people that have been at the company 30 years 
really close to retirement and worried if they're going to get either forced into early retirement or get let go before they can retire on their own. But most people don't plan for that. And so what if one of you get gets laid off that needs to be in, in your comfortable plan? The other thing that unfortunately most people don't think about is what if one of us passes away? And and this is assuming you're a two-person household, right? I mean, some of you are maybe just a single-person household, but you still should be considering the same things. Uh, you know, what if one of us passes away or what if I pass away? You know, do you have life insurance? You know, I'm, I used to sell life insurance and I always felt good about selling that product because it was something, especially uh, in my community, African-American community that I felt was very underserved. We didn't really, you know, a lot of people didn't have life insurance. Somebody passed away. We were always doing some type of fundraiser or fish fry or chicken cookout or something like that. And it was just like, how come they didn't have life insurance? And that's one way to plan for the future. And life insurance isn't always what you think, right? People think, well, I got to pay three, $400 a month and I need a million dollar policy. It's like, slow down, slick. How about we just take care of burial costs? You know, maybe for $25 a month, you get a five to $10,000 policy that if something happened to you, perhaps it pays off a couple credit card debts and enough money to buy you a casket and uh, give you a nice little funeral, right? Most people don't even think about that. It's like all or nothing. It's like, I need a million dollar policy. It's like, you don't even make a million dollars. You don't even make close to a hundred thousand dollars. Why do you need a million dollar policy? Um, and so most people, instead of they can't get a million dollar policy, uh, they don't get the $10,000 policy, which is like, what? You know, there is an in-between. So think about you know, the most basic needs that if you were to leave your partner behind or if you were just to leave this earth, period, um, how could you satisfy some obligations that you may have, like a credit card debt, like paying for your own casket, um, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, let's think positive. We hope that you live a very long time. But, you know, texting and driving is real. Um, and there's just a lot of different things going on that through no fault of your own, you may leave this planet Earth a little sooner than you thought you would, right? So let's move on to goal number three. Now, this is the goal to be financially independent, and I'm going to say slash wealthy or or wealthy. And when we talk about goal number three, some people never make it to even thinking about this goal. You know, when you're a little kid and someone asks you, what do you want to be? You, you don't typically say like, you know, I I don't want to pick a profession because there is no, you know, you know, who knows what people want to grow up to be. But you you dream, you, you say some of the most ambitious things. And that's what I'm going for. If you if you want to be an astronaut, the president, the first female president, if you want to be a scientist and cure cancer, like when you're a kid, you don't wake up and think, well, nobody's cured cancer this long. And Susan G. Coleman, they're getting all that money and they haven't found a cure. So maybe I won't be able to do it. Like you don't do that as a kid. As a kid, you dream you dream big and you think everything is possible because it is, because nobody taught you what failure is. Nobody told you that anything is impossible. And so the world is 
limitless. But unfortunately, as adults, when we get to goal number three, this is where most people shut down. They're like, ah, oh, financially, oh, that's that's cute, Jason Brown. Like, we'll never get there. Oh, we'll never have that house or that car. And what's funny is when people hear wealthy and financially independent, they immediately think about the stuff. They immediately think about the stuff. But the key to this level to be financially independent or wealthy is not necessarily having more stuff. In fact, the reality is you can become wealthy and financially independent by having less stuff because the true definition of financial independence and wealth, I want to break these down sort of separately. Financially independent means you can generate income independent of uh, a boss, independent of a job, and ideally independent of your own efforts. So maybe you, um, just for an example, maybe you own real estate or maybe you have uh, stocks and investments that you're collecting uh, a yield or a dividend on and it's enough to suffice your lifestyle. Maybe you got royalties because, you, you know, music, acting, singing, something like that that is passive or uh, generates income without a lot of work from you. There's really nothing that generates income with like zero work for you. Uh, even if you had to put in a bunch of work in the beginning and it's now paying you, you had to put in some work. But the the, the ideal here is that uh, if you got fired from your job tomorrow, you'd be okay because you're financially independent. You have other streams and sources of income. And the other end of that is being wealthy. And the way I break down wealthy is that you have time and money together. Now, it doesn't mean you have to have a lot of money or a lot of time, but the fact of the matter is, is that you're not living check to check and you could go 6, 12, 24 months and still maintain the same lifestyle. And so they kind of go hand in hand, being financially independent and wealthy, because if you're financially independent, Depending on how far out you you see your income generation tools or assets generating income, if you let's just say whatever you're doing, you're generating a thousand dollars a month and that's taking care of your entire lifestyle. Well, if whatever engine or system you have set up is something that can sustain itself for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, then you are 30 years wealthy. You have 30 years to figure out a different system or something else to replace the current one before it expires or starts to um, throw off less cash flow. Does that make sense? And so wealthy is based on time uh, in the future and how far you can live out in the future without disrupting your current lifestyle. And when you think about what are the keys to living a wealthy lifestyle, well, you have to get through goal number one. You got to be debt free, right? Because the more people you owe, then the more money you have to make. And the more money you have to make, the more extravagant or the more stress you have to put on the system, the money making system that you have. So number two, you have to be comfortable because once you're comfortable you start to realize I can live with or without certain things, especially if it's going to affect my wealth or put me in a position where uh, my money may run out or I have to start to borrow and go backwards in this system. So you got to work yourself your way through goal number one, work your way through goal number two. And then it's at goal number three 
that you get ahead of the game. And so when you think about wealth creation, there's two specific, I did a video on this and we'll put it in the show notes. There's two specific videos we talked, uh, I did on, you know, the cash flow quadrant, which was by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, he wrote the book, Cash Flow Quadrant, also wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which were two awesome books that really impacted me uh, when I started learning about money and finances. But when you break down the cash flow quadrant, I'll just give you uh, a quick understanding. There's four quadrants. There's the E quadrant, which stands for employee, the S, self-employed, the B, business owner, and the I, investor. And so uh, typically the passive income or the wealth or money making money without you or people making money um, for you happens in the business owner quadrant in the I investor quadrant. And I always say the cool thing about the I quadrant, though, the investor quadrant is if you personally can't build uh, a better search engine than Google, if you can't personally build a better shopping website than Amazon and a better delivery system the next best thing is to be able to be an I, an investor, and be able to take money and buy into, become a uh, owner of company, or at least a percentage or a portion owner of the great companies that do exist. So it's really cool. You can build your own, or you can buy into something that already exists, or something that is up and coming. And so that's the cool thing about uh, the I quadrant, because you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get to be an investor and you kind of get to tag along on the coattails of the people who've built great businesses and that you foresee those businesses moving uh, further into the future. So what I did for you is I put together a financial uh, ghost sheet. And this sheet is just um, a sheet that I like to call uh, financial goals, but more so like it gets you thinking about the the resources. So on there, it's like, what goal do you need have? And then what tools do you need? And then what resources? Like, like um, if you say you want to get out of debt, then one of the steps to get out of debt is you may need to book a meeting with a credit counselor. You may need to consolidate your credit cards, and then you may need to get a second job. Now, to get that second job, what tools may you need? Well, you might need a car or if you want to get a raise on your job, you might need to get uh, a degree. So you might need to go back to school. So those are kind of like the tools and resources that you need. Like, what do you need to learn? What tools or resources do you need to help you um, accomplish those goals so that you can accomplish the main goal, which is to get out of debt. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm already out of debt. I'm on step number two, but I want to be wealthy. Okay. So what tools or resources do you need to be wealthy? First define wealthy. How much money is it? How much, uh, income do you need to produce, uh, to feel comfortable or to start to work on replacing your current income uh, that'll last you into the future. Say, well, I need to invest. Okay, well, what tools or resources do you need? Well, uh, I need some education. I need to know how it works. And then some of the tools you might need, you might need a trading account. Uh, you may need, uh, well, an online brokerage account. You may need a new laptop. Well, not a new laptop. You probably already have a laptop, but you need a laptop. You might need a cell phone that gets on the internet so you can uh, check your stock, stuff like that. So that's what I mean by uh, what tools and what resources do you need? But we break it all down on uh, the sheet. So get your financial goals sheet. It'll be in the show notes uh, of this episode. So if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on Stitcher, 
down in the show notes or you can visit thebrownreport.com and go to the podcast episodes and grab the financial goal sheet. But these are the three goals that everybody should have. Number one, how to be debt free. Number two, how to be comfortable. Number three, how to be wealthy and financially independent. And don't worry about when you'll get there, if you'll get there. But I know you'll never get there if you don't at least have it as a goal and something that you're working on or striving towards. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'd love to hear some of your uh, goals and resources. We had a bunch of people Uh, We released this to our email list and a couple of people emailed us their goals back. And it was exciting to see people put pen to paper and have some clear direction on where they're going, the tools that they need to get there and the resources. And so I hope that that is uh, the same story for you there. This sheet will help you gain some clarity so that you can step through 2019 and every year with purpose. So thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating if you're listening in iTunes and uh, hit me up on Instagram at Brown Report or send us an email again. I really would love to know what goals you're setting after this episode. I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Money, Markets and Mindset podcast. We hope this episode has been educational and inspirational. To learn more about how to have your money work for you inside the stock market, visit www.thebrownreport.com.